0: Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And today we have a special guest, John Verdefey from the CDC. He is the Nigeria team lead and uh, we're excited about the progress that the CDC and others working with them have made against polio in Nigeria and the continent of Africa. This is an exciting time so uh, John thank you very much for joining us. Well thanks very much Devin, I appreciate being on the show. Why don't you give us a quick lay of the land here What's going on with respect to polio in Africa and Nigeria in particular?
2: Sure. Well, it's a real incredible time for the progress to to fight polio and towards eradication of the disease. Um, In Africa, we've made great strides over the last couple of years, and in fact, uh, we haven't seen a case on the continent since August. In Nigeria specifically, um, they had 53 cases of polio in 2013, and that's actually uh, reduced to six cases in 2014. Uh, And at the same time as the case reductions, we actually saw a shrinking geography
1: where those cases were occurring. It's just so exciting to think about uh, the final cases of polio happening on the continent of Africa, that this can be a part of Africa's history and not a part of its future. This is is a big deal.
2: Oh, I agree. I think it's a real exciting time. I think what's really important is that while we take stock of these incredible gains and, and recognize how close we are, interrupting transmission, we also continue to focus on the hard work that has to be done. Uh, in fact, there's uh, we're all so excited about the lack of cases, and yet we must continue to be vigilant about really vaccinating uh, and getting vaccines to every child out there for the, for the next uh, many months and several years.
1: Well, it, it, it is the case, that, and so many of us lose sight of this. In fact, Americans Many Americans don't realize their kids are still being immunized against polio, and that's true all around the world in Western Europe and throughout the developed world. Our kids are continuing to get these shots, and most of us are unaware of it. We think of uh, many people think of polio as being like smallpox, and yet it's vastly different, isn't it?
2: Well, that's right. And and uh, what's what what's also different is where we're at in the in the uh, in the eradication program. I mean smallpox was eradicated uh, decades ago now and we're on the cusp of doing something uh, with, po- with polio where we come to interrupting wild transmission But there's incredible work to be done and of course we're talking right now about the African continent we still do have to continue to push forward uh, in uh, the eastern Mediterranean region as well.
1: Yeah there's a, a real problem with uh The transmission of the disease really out of Pakistan. It's impacting Afghanistan as well, but I think the cases are mostly coming out of Pakistan. But of course, that's neither here nor there as we're talking about Nigeria today. But as long as there are kids with polio in Pakistan, we have to immunize the kids in Nigeria, right? That's
2: correct. And I think even uh, in the context of things, if you think about it, this has been an incredible push by the government of Nigeria to get as far as they have. Um, there's been a uh, an effort, I think there's been over 24 uh, immunization campaigns in the last two years. Uh, if you can imagine that, it's almost once a month, or really every six weeks, uh, every four to six weeks, we have a campaign where we go out and vaccinate about 20 million kids in the northern part of the country. Uh, that comes with incredible effort, but you can really see the gains. And so the focus now is being vigilant not to lose those gains. Um, and to do that, we know what we have to do. We have to continue to uh, put the vaccine up there. We have to continue the processes of, of open, honest discussion about priority investments in the program, about uh, transparency, uh, and about working together as a partnership. I think one of the most incredible things that, that, have hap- that has happened in Nigeria is the establishment of this emergency operations center uh, two-and-a-half years ago, uh, which became the forum for all partners to come together and discuss the priorities of the program and ensure that those priorities were implemented. Uh, so these gains have been uh, real, and we see that in the reduction in disease. And now the goal is to continue to use the momentum we have to, to continue to vaccinate and
1: to continue to get services out there. Well, not only have you been able to use that infrastructure to e- eliminate polio essentially, and I, I realize I'm ahead of the, the game here a little bit, but, but there hasn't been a case in six months. But you also used it uh, with some great success to tamp down uh, Ebola when that first popped up in the country last summer. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean I think the story of Ebola in Nigeria was really a story of uh, the, the government taking stock of recent successes that it's had and using the assets uh, that it had uh, in its, at its disposal to respond quickly and effectively to Ebola. Um, the the uh, success they'd seen in the, the Polio Emergency Operations Center and also with their Nigeria Centers for Disease Control were immediately applied um, to the Ebola response and so very quickly they established an incident command structure in Lagos where the importation happened and all the partners came around the table, so uh, our teams with CDC, uh, with WHO, with UNICEF, with Doctors Without Borders, were all convened by the government in this emergency center uh, and uh, were quickly able to identify what the priority goals were for developing contact tracing and we were able to successfully keep Ebola to 20 cases. I, I think that anybody involved in that response would say that it was the quick action, of the government, combined with using assets like the emergency operations center that they developed uh, for responding to polio, that really had an impact on that.
1: Well, it, it really is a remarkable uh, case study, and and uh, really is inspiring, and it, it demonstrates the importance of the work you're doing, not just because it goes beyond polio uh, to, to impact the country in so many other ways potentially. <clears throat> now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the end game strategy for Nigeria and Africa more broadly. Uh, this is, a, of course, not everyone in Africa is poor, but it it is a, Sub-Saharan Africa especially, is a very poor place in general. And uh, there is so much work to do there. Describe the strategy for bringing the final crushing end to polio in that part of the world. Sure. I think it's
2: a strategy of uh, I think it's a strategy of intense uh, energy and, and focused effort on some very key goals. Uh, the first goal is to really ensure that we have inter- interrupted wild type transmission. Uh, we feel that we're on the cusp of that. Not seeing uh, not seeing wild virus in since August and in Nigeria since July uh, is really incredible. Nigeria of course being the last endemic country in, in uh, Africa, there's a special significance to not seeing cases in six months there. Um, immediately on the heels of that, we really do have to focus on this circulating vaccine-derived polio virus that, that uh, has been uh, popping up uh, from place to place in the continent for quite a while. Um, in, in particular, we've had 29 cases of vaccine-derived polio in Nigeria in 2014, and we'll really be focused on doing some trivalent. Uh, vaccine rounds that that include that uh, antigen that addresses the the vaccine plan uh, to try and uh, interrupt that vaccine virus transmission as well. Um, In addition, uh, we want to move to an inactivated uh, polio vaccine, so IPV as it's called. Uh, And so the government of Nigeria has already uh, taken steps to introduce IPV and has actually used it in several places in the country uh, in an effort to make that final push towards interrupting wild type. Uh, but now, in, in early two thousand and fifteen, they'll introduce that to their routine immunization program uh, as an effort to uh, really uh, bring immunity up quickly uh, and also to move to that uh, vaccine uh, that uh, does not have uh, a virus in it uh, that's active. Um, so all of these are part of the end game. I think the other big piece is the legacy, um, and so uh, to to, inter- to to eradicate polio is an enormous. Goal and an enormous gift to the world from everyone. Um, To then use the infrastructure and the investments and and the lessons that have been learned through that process and apply them to improving immunization and health infrastructure in the countries that have participated, and that's all countries around the globe, uh, is the next big step. And so we're very actively looking at ways through the National STOP Program, uh, through the partnership to really ensure that the legacy of polio is not just
1: the end of polio, but strengthen health systems. Great, great, uh, great legacy to leave behind. As we talk, though, a little bit about implementing the IPV, I want to make sure that we drill down on the significance of that effort, because it seems to me that's a pretty significant change, because uh, the IPV must be injected, right?
2: That's correct. And so when we uh, move to inje- you know, injectable vaccines are used um, in Africa and uh, uh, all the time. Uh, but the polio vaccine that's uh, typically been used in much of the continent has been oral polio vaccine. Uh, which is, is easy to administer because you 're uh, putting drops of the vaccine in people 's mouths, and so this will be a shift to uh, this will be a shift to an injectable vaccine, but you have a skilled workforce in many of these countries who are familiar with giving other vaccines that require injection so it 's a matter of uh, doing the appropriate advanced planning and training it 's a matter of educating uh, the health workers and the population about the use of the vaccine and then implementing uh, implementing it in a way that uh, that you can ensure that your supply lines are in place and that the vaccine is arriving where it needs to be used and that populations have access to it.
1: Is the uh, IPV uh, itself uh, somewhat more uh, durable? That's probably not the word you would use at the CDC, but having been in the field a couple of times, I've seen how uh, apparently fragile the, o- the OPV is. That you have to maintain it at a a cool temperature uh, right up almost until the moment you give the dose. Uh, Is is the IPV somewhat more tolerant of temperature swings and other environmental factors or not? So the
2: IPV, like OPV, IPV has to to be handled in in an appropriate way that includes it being at at the right uh, temperatures and, and distributed through the immunization system. I think the and I think this is also where the other part of the legacy comes in and that is to ensure that the health system is, is able to receive that um, I think that when we when we look at the IPv issue the, the bigger issue that we think about is um, whether the country is able to, to, to maintain uh, the as big a, as big an administration of the vaccine if you put it through the routine system uh, in places like the United States where there are very high levels of immunization coverage this is not an issue because every um, most children actually make their way through that immunization process and get their vaccine. In, in places like Nigeria where the vaccine coverage for the population is quite a bit lower, uh, you have to worry that if, if you're using an injectable vaccine and therefore you have to have uh, someone who is trained to give injections doing that at health facilities or at fixed sites that allow for injection. Are you going to reduce the number of children that actually get the vaccine? And that's why there's a plan and process to to have the overlap of the two vaccines uh, for some time
1: and then an eventual transition to IPV only over a a period of several years. Then ultimately, the goal is, right, we stop immunizing all the kids because no one gets polio, right? That's really the end game. Yeah, that's the
2: ultimate goal, and, and I look forward to I look forward to uh, the time I have a four month old, and I look forward to the time when when her kids are um, uh, growing up, and, and it'll be something like us looking at our parents who have uh, smallpox uh, marks on their arms, and there's no longer a need for us to have smallpox vaccines given. So it's a it's a real bright
1: future when it comes to that. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, John, uh, this has been great insight. Let me just ask you a couple of quick questions, if if you would indulge me for a few more minutes. But uh, as you look at your work, who do you look to as a role model? Yeah, you know, I, I
2: really, when I, when I look at role models and people I admire, I, I don't tend to look for grand personalities. I actually think about the thousands of people who are out there um, doing this work in the field—it's—it's it's really incredible to see. Um, you know, the, when we do these campaigns, we do them over weekends and late into the evenings. And every place I go, uh, the Sokoto State, Kano State, different parts of rural Nigeria—you have—you have thousands of people every six weeks going through their weekend and into their evenings, bringing this vaccine to kids and reporting back what they're doing. Uh, that's just a really incredible. Thing to see, and, and that's that's who I that's who I admire is those folks, and and I would also have to say that this year in particular, uh, my colleagues and friends who are in uh, uh, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Guinea uh, fighting Ebola and, and working through their holidays and through their evenings and not sleeping, uh, those are the people that, that that I really
1: look up to and, and, and impress impressed with. Well, that is a great a great insight. Well. That, that that is a a touching reminder of where the work is really happening Uh, you've been very successful my good heavens as we measure your success right now we really couldn't be more excited about the the progress you're making against polio in in Nigeria and Africa give us a lesson What, what do you take away from this experience that you can share with the rest of us and how we can have more impact in the world
2: Sure, I, I think that the, that the biggest lesson I, I've learned as I've gone through this program is how the government of Nigeria really was able to, to set aside uh, its normal operations and create something special. And what they created was a forum uh, that uh, relied on accountability, relied on setting hard goals and holding people accountable for uh, meeting those goals. Uh, I think that's been really the, ch- the turning point in their polio program. And when I talk about holding people accountable, it's, a, it's, it's, it's holding themselves accountable accountable, but also holding accountable all of the different partners who, at various times over uh, over the many year period of fighting polio, might have been doing things more vertically or separate, and really saying no, uh, Now we're going to work together in a in a coordinated way we a common goal. We're going to set priorities, and we're all going to contribute to delivering on
1: those priorities. And we're going to hold each other accountable. And I think that's been the incredible lesson. Yeah, that, that is a great takeaway. What a great lesson to take from from this experience. So, let me ask you one final question, John. You're obviously capable. K- capable guy. You could be doing all kinds of different things, and some of them would probably pay a lot more money. Why are you doing this? Why do you care about ending polio in Nigeria and public health more broadly?
2: Well, thanks for that question. I mean, I think that when I think about what drives me, it's it's identifying things that are hard to do, but really worth doing. And this is one of those special things that Uh, You can go through a career, even through a career in public health, and and see the the end of a disease only once. Um, And to be able to contribute to that and to to make sure that, in in the same way I mentioned my my four-month-old, who's on my mind a lot, to make sure that people all over the world, parents all over the world, uh, can, can take polio and set it aside and say, this is no longer something I have to worry about for my child. Uh, this is something that we've taken care of, uh, of, the global community has come together and done this, uh, and we don't have to worry about this anymore. Uh, to me, that's just a, a wonderful uh, thing to be part of, and, and certainly is something that that I value, and I think a, a lot of other people who contribute to this
1: uh, also really value. Yeah. Well, John, we we are glad you value it, and we congratulate you on the progress that you've made and certainly wish you every success in your effort to eliminate and eradicate polio in in Africa. I I know there will be people who are wanting to learn more about this. Where where would you direct them? Uh, I would direct them to the Center for Global Health at CDC.
2: Our website is wonderful, and there are contact information on there that people can uh, get in touch with us. Um, Also, if you uh, happen to be uh, someone who reads the scientific literati- literature. If you look in our um, our morbidity and mortality weekly reports, there are contact information for those of us involved.
1: Fantastic. Well, John, again, we thank you for being here and wish you every success. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. All righty, let's do some good.
0: Thank you for listening.